a story, I've got a story, we've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of AB&T's Beyond the Bank. I'm your host, Brad McEwen, and today I'm visiting with Albany State University head baseball coach and all-around great guy, Scott Hemmings. Good afternoon, Scott. I really appreciate you taking the time to come in today. I hope all's well in your world. It is. First podcast. I'm excited. Well, that's exciting and good to hear that all's well in your world. Now, before we jump into this thing, because we got a lot we want to talk about, I do want to touch on the most recent Rams baseball season. I think it wrapped up this spring. What were your thoughts on uh, how the team did this year? Well, you know, it's kind of an interesting year with the COVID, of course. Um, We were testing uh, 50% of our team every week. That was a daunting task to make sure everybody was healthy to be able to perform. And then right before, right after we played our first couple of games, the conference decided to not uh, uh, sponsor a conference tournament. So we ran the risk of uh, playing too many games and then the guys wouldn't be able to have another season. So we stayed under a 20 game minimum. Um, so everybody on in our program was granted another season of eligibility if they wanted to. But all along, though, uh, we had a really good team. We were 12 and seven. Uh, we beat Georgia Southwestern three times this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, we beat Flagler. Um, we had a, a, a great weekend set, set uh, against Savannah State. And uh, I think currently right now, the last time we checked, we were fifth in the entire country in ERA, earned run averages, our pitching staff. So we had an outstanding team, um, lost a lot of those players because they came back for a fifth year. Uh, and then some of them did not want to come back for a six year, but we do have one that's going to start a master's program and come back for a six year. Okay, great. Well, that was one of my next questions was I wasn't sure about the age of the team, if you were aging out a lot of players and what, what next year was looking like. Yeah, in 2020, almost every one of our players came back with the exception of two uh, that had a job or three, two or three. And then we re, re, uh, retained most of everybody because they need a couple semesters left to still graduate. Um, some of our guys were only in part time classes this spring. They had, I mean, five years is, is, is usually the, the time frame of, of graduating. So it was great to see all those guys walk across the stage, get their degree. And then Malik Barrington, um, our number one pitcher, just signed a professional contract. So. Um, that's one reason why he left. Um, so it was a, a fantastic year and really couldn't be any proud. Our, our administration um, really handled the COVID uh, situation um, to get us on the field. I, I couldn't have any. I didn't have one complaint the way that we handled things. It was just amazing that um, we stayed on the field um, all fall and all spring and had testing requirements. And, and our uh, athletic director, Tony Duckworth, put together a great plan for us to be able to perform this year. I know that's nice to be able to, you know, keep keep guys active and, uh, you know, be together and work on the things that you, you know, committed to. And again, I mean, I know it's got to be difficult to not get to, you know, have the normal end of the year tournaments and all that kind of glory that goes along with it. But uh, I mean, I imagine just getting to play was pretty good for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we can all Monday morning quarterback of what we should have done during the pandemic and, 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 and what we could do and what we couldn't do and what we should do and what we should have done. But, but when you're going through the middle of it, every decision, is tough. So, you know, we didn't get to play a, a conference tournament. At the end of the day, our, our guys got to play 18 games in 20 and then 19 games in 21. So, you know, they got the extra year and got to finish off. So you really can't complain too much. Yeah, it's a good bit of baseball. And you got one that's going on to something pretty exciting, too. So, <laughs> hard to get upset about that. So, 
you know, shifting gears a little bit, Scott, you and I have known each other a couple of years now. I've had the pleasure of doing a Beyond the Bank interview with with you in the past. Uh, but I don't want to assume that anybody who's listening has had a chance to read that story. So if you would take a couple minutes here and just kind of give us a little bit of background about you, you know, growing up, your, uh, you know, and your journey through baseball that led you to ASU and, and just, you know, hit the high point. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Columbus, Georgia. Um, dad worked for the power company. Mom worked uh 40 something years as a teacher. I had two older brothers. One's a, a vice president for a bank in Columbus. Another one works at uh, uh, TSIS. It used to be TSIS. I think it's global something. It's a credit card processing plan. He he uh, manages a big department. He actually flew over to India for a month last year to to do a big project over there. So, um, uh, but anyway, um, in 1997, um, well, after winning three state high school baseball championships for legendary coach Bobby Howard, I was drafted by the New York Yankees in the 61st round in 1995. Uh, I chose not to sign and and uh, went to two years of junior college at ABAC down in Tifton. And in 1997, was drafted by the San Diego Padres in the 18th round. Uh, played three years with them, making it all the way to AAA. But in 1997, I was working at this uh, shoe store by the name of Below the Knee. And a lady, a young lady walked in who was uh, a cheerleader at Columbus State. And I sold her her a pair of shoes. And that was in 1997. So um, 20-something years ago, uh, that was uh, unbeknowingly my, my future wife, uh, Amy, Amy Thomas. Her name is Amy Hemmings. And uh, I mean, Amy Thomas, it's, of course, Amy Hemmings now. But we uh, we met and, and started dating. But And her brother was a head baseball coach at Chattahoochee Valley Community College. So I finished playing. I played uh, three years with the Padres, went back to spring training with the Detroit Tigers and ended up getting hurt and getting released. Same story that most minor leaguers have and got into coaching with actually her brother, who was my first assistant coaching job 20 years ago. And I spent two years with him and um, I really I enjoyed it. I love Adam to death. He was a, he's a Hall of Fame coach in the state of Alabama, um, but I really didn't like being an assistant coach. So I decided to take a head coaching job in the big city of Cuthbert, Georgia at Andrew College. And they had only won 30 games in three years combined. And and a lot of people told me I was crazy for taking the job. And two years later, we won 34 games and um, spent four years there. Um, Amy and I were uh, uh, had a house down there. Cost of living in Cuthbert, believe it or not, is pretty cheap. Oh, and, yeah. And I also was the athletic director there for a couple of years. And Amy is a great baseball wife. She understands the game. We were together when I played pro ball, uh, when I was gone for seven months out of the year. Um, we were together when, when I started my coaching career, when I was on the road working, working hard as I could to get my career started. And, and, um, then we had our first child in Cuthbert, actually Addie. And then, uh, 13 months later, we had Allie. And so, uh, with two children in diapers, which I'm sure some listeners have had that before, it's not real, real easy to be recruiting and, and on the road. So I decided to take a high school job back in Phoenix City, Alabama and spent three years there. And that was actually Amy's hometown, Smith Station, Phoenix City. And we moved back there in high school for three years. And, and after three years, I took them back to the playoffs for the first time in, in six years. Uh, and left there and was offered the job at Darton State College, which uh, was really and truly for a lot of people was probably just known as Darton around here. But we it was a dream job. Um, and I went home and well, Amy, Amy came down here with the interview. And we looked around and she said, what do you think? And I said, I think we can win a national title there. I'd really like to to, to take it. And she had a wonderful job at a place called Doctors Hospital. She was a human resource recruiter and and uh, made good money and we were settled and had a house and a pool and 
And we ended up throwing our house on the market and moving to Albany, Georgia. And I commuted for about the first three months back and forth. I would stay at the sleep in a couple of nights out of the week. And, and, um, you know, looking back on it, I mean, it probably was a little silly, but I wanted the job. And finally, one day I came home and I said, honey, pack up. I'm tired of being away from you. And we put the house on the market. And of course, back in back, we, we had bought a house at the peak of the market and tried to sell it at the, <laughs> at the bottom of the market. I'm sure some listeners have that, have that story as well. So we ended up having to rent it. We moved to Albany and, and, um, and just started a, a, a wonderful life here. And, and it's, 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 it's been 10 years in the making and, Five years into it, we announced a merger, and, and and just like a lot of people probably thought that the, you know that that, that w- the world was coming to an end, and schools were merging, and we were losing Darton, and you know this, that, and the other, and and I look back on the last five years at Albany State, and it is it has truly been a wonderful situation for me and my family. Going in junior college, not probably a lot of people know this, but you work. I mean, you're replacing 12 to 14 players a, a year. You're always recruiting. You're always attending camps. You're you're always replacing. It's a two-year turnover. With four-year ball, it's not as hard because you're only replacing about two or three players a year. The recruiting's a lot easier, and it's just been a wonderful job for my family. I've been able to watch almost every one of my daughter's soccer games. I've been able to coach my son. We've been able to uh, be involved in the community. And and so 10 years later, actually, I hit my 10-year anniversary in Albany yesterday on, on May 26th. And uh, just looking back on it and, and the merger was a huge blessing uh, for me and my family, even though I had to give up a wonderful program that I love dearly and uh, love junior college baseball and love the, the but it, it turned into to just being wonderful for us and the way that we were able to raise our family. And then through all this pandemic, I mean, um, our president, I mean, I don't know how many other schools did this, um, but our president didn't furlough us, didn't lay us off. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and so I look back at that time and I'm like, what if I wasn't in Albany? Because after the merger, there were several jobs open and that, that we were, that I was contacted about. Um, I wouldn't say several, but a couple and uh, had an opportunity to probably apply for a couple and get them because we'd just gone to the world series. It's a little easier to find a job after going to the world series and um, off of that team in 16, we have a big leaguer in Jeremy Beasley and off the 15 team, we had a big leaguer last year in Sterling Sharp. So yeah, I was, you know, I could have probably found a job and and then what if we'd have taken another job and what if during the pandemic you get laid off? And, and so I look back and just how thankful I am for Albany state and, 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 and president Frederick and, and uh, allowing us to stay employed. So that's kind of a 10 year journey or really a 20 year journey through coaching and my family. And, and all along, I look back at the last 20 years and, it's almost mesmerizing to look at how much we've been able to win too. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, I know, I don't know how many viewers will or listeners will look at this, but you play to win. And sometimes I think we've forgotten that. So it, it is about the winning. So we have been able to win a lot. And I say we, because it takes my family, it takes my awesome assistant coaches. It, it takes the administration. It really takes everybody to perform and, and sure. win. Sure. Well, and, and I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned the winning because, I mean, it's easy to think about that way. Well, you want people to learn and, and grow as human beings and you want to have a great experience. But I imagine the winning comes down to whether or not you stay in your job, too. Yeah. And it, I mean, if you don't win, you don't get to, you don't. It's hard to explain to a recruit. Well, we were 15 and 40 last year, but come play for us. I mean, when you're losing all the time, there's some fundamental problems that are that are that go beyond just talent. I mean, and, and so I tell that to a lot of young coaches when I speak and. You know, this year I was invited to speak in front of over a hundred, I mean, a thousand high school coaches 
and it got canceled because of the coronavirus. But uh, I was so excited about that because now after 20 years, I can kind of say, hey, you young coaches, you know, listen. And and so a lot of times when you're winning, it's a culture and, and, and it's a byproduct of all that you're doing. But sometimes when you're losing, people don't really want to go there. That's so right. It, it can affect the recruiting for years to come. And once you start losing, that's my biggest fear is can you ever get it back on track? Yeah, that, that would be a scary thing. Now, it's kind of want to back up just a little bit because I this dynamic just kind of fascinates me. And you made the comment that, you know, your story through baseball is not unlike a lot of people that have had success. What was it like for you or or was it difficult at all? Was it difficult or maybe not difficult, but talk to me about the transition of changing your focus away from Scott getting better to sharing Scott's gifts and what Scott knows with with other players and, and making that mental change to from player to coach. I'm going to back up a little bit when I did get hurt. Um probably a good six or seven months after I was hurt and got released, I, I was a little upset. I was a little bitter. Um, you know, I, I felt, I, you know, selfishly speaking, I was, I was at a point, you know, I wouldn't say I was in a, a, a dark place by any means, because I don't think that's the, but I was in a little bit of a, 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 a downer moment in my life because I mean, that was all I'd done is played. And I, I love to play. I mean, if they gave, if they said, Hey, would you quit your job today and go back and play for a month? I, I probably would do it, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But it, you know, I, I just, I, I was down and then I had a wake up call one day on, and I just, I was like, the game was so good to me and it gave me so much. I mean, it paid for my school. I mean, I had championship rings. I mean, then when I signed my pro contract, they picked up the rest of my college. I didn't have a student loan, you know, and I'm like, and I'm bitter. I mean, I played longer than 99% of the people who strap it on in Little League. And um, and so I, I opened up a little school called Hemming School of Baseball. And I started doing lessons in this little warehouse. And I do four or five. And before I know it, I'm doing like 30 a week in this warehouse downtown behind a railroad track. And, you know, it was it was it was fun. And and then I got into coaching and 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 really and truly. And, and I don't want to get too deep here, but. But but we all become selfish in our own ways. It's about Scott. It's about my career. It's about me. And and really and truly, those people that are selfish and I was a selfish person at times in my life, they never really have enough, you know. But if you go back and give to somebody or you're selfless, you always have enough. And 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 so that, that was a learning moment for him. Plus, you know, I got punched in the gut there with with getting released. But but it was taught me that you're going to get punched in the gut a lot during life. And I mean, if every time you get punched in the gut, you get down and, you know, and get bitter and you're going to be bitter and down a lot. So that allowed me to now go out and, and teach kids and help people. And, 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 and really, I'm a matter of fact coach. I'm, I told my nine year old little team, this little all star team, I'm helping coach with a group of guys. I said, you're nine years old. The reason when you get to high school, if you don't play, it's because you didn't learn the fundamentals because at nine years old, you refuse to do it the right way. So I do help them, but I'm also a matter of fact with them. So so me learning that the game gave me a lot, I probably need to give back. That's for sure. The, the cool thing, too, Scott, having spent some time around you and seen you interact with the kids and seeing you on the diamond, you can tell there's a real passion that you have for instilling that knowledge. And, and sh- you know, whatever that magic thing that happens to coaches and teachers when they've decided I'm going to dedicate myself to this. When you see somebody that's done that, it's an amazing thing to see. So, you know, just as a parent who's had children that have gone through your camps, that's to be commended. And and I'm 
glad that that shines through and uh, the community's better off for that. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, which kind of takes me into, uh, you know, a couple of other civics that I want to touch on today. Um, and you've kind of referenced a little bit of that and talking about self selflessness, things of that nature. I know your Christian faith is very important mm-hmm. to you. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Where does that come from and kind of how that's a guiding principle in your life? Well, you know, uh, the Christian faith, it, it can be a flippant faith and it can be a, a deep rooted faith. And, and I and I believe for some time, uh, uh, part of my life, I had a flippant faith where it was, um, you know, wanted to be a Christian and talked about being a Christian. And but but probably, you know, all my actions didn't always portray that. And I remember when I was 20, 20 years old, me and Amy walked down the aisle at Cascade Hills Baptist church and, and, and etched our, you know, our, our names for eternity. And, and, and it started kind of really then. And I wouldn't say that I was one of those guys that the, 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 the switch went from this person to that person. I mean, it, it, I, I use this all the time when I do speak in, in Christian atmospheres, I say that, that salvation takes a minute you know, and sanctification takes a lifetime. And so since that point, um, you know, I, I feel like I've grown in my faith. But then about 14 years ago, I met a guy by the name of David Wilson and uh, really probably changed my life more than anybody. He was my boss, but he was a preacher. He brought me in. There were some things I needed to we don't always want to say do better because if you live through the spirit, then you don't do better. It's just the way that you live your life. And uh, he really started investing in me and teaching me. And then the good Lord brought us to Albany, Georgia, and we went to Sherwood Baptist Church and, and Sherwood's the big church, um, you know, but Michael Catt taught us what it was really like to be a Christian. And I think 10 years ago was when I kind of flipped the selfless switch on and he he taught you how to walk it and talk it and you know some people might not agree with 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 he's a matter of fact and he's not going to bend but but that's kind of how I am as a coach I'm a matter of fact and I'm not going to bend <clears throat> on our standards and for 10 years now we have just grown so much and we've raised our children in it and 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 and, and, and for the listeners it's not one of those things that that I don't still mess up or you know, if we let three balls go through our legs and hit a batter and give up four runs, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a competitor, so I can flip a switch as quick as anybody. But but it is it is truly when they talk about the fruits of the spirit of joy and peace and faithfulness and kindness and gentleness, patience, self control. It really is true how much more joy and peace you have instead of every time something doesn't go your way, you lose your cool and go off on somebody compared to not and being a little bit more patient, being able to lay your head down. There's a lot more just peace there. And and again, I'm not perfect and I have my flaws. And, and you know, if you know me well enough, I've, I've made some probably mistakes like everybody else has in their life. And I'm not a self-righteous person that that thinks that I've never messed up. Um, but but it, it, I, I truly believe if I could get on my hands and knees and beg people to live this way, I would because there's so much more out there. And, and look at Albany, Georgia. If I had if I had the time today to tell you all the things that have happened here with what we have going on at Albany State, which wasn't known for baseball um, as much for when I got before I got the job. And what the Lord has provided in Albany, Georgia, it wouldn't you wouldn't sit here and say it was Scott. I mean, it's not. I mean, I'm a part of it, but it's the Lord working. We were on. Not many people know this, but we have one of the largest showcases here in Albany, Georgia for high school athletes. 
We had 112 sign up last year and had 10 or 11 colleges recruited and had over 150 people at our camp and clinic on in November. I mean, and we do every and we, and we and it's huge. And we have one we have we won one of the largest camps in Albany, Georgia, in our little league camp. I mean, we have a waiting list right now and and just so many things that I that I directly go back to my faith in, in Christ and say and say, God, this isn't me. I mean, how do you do this in Albany? You know, and he just continues to provide and so many things that might seem silly to some people, but just have come and and when the the human capital wasn't there. It was always provided. And and so my wife is, I mean, Amy is unbelievable with her faith. If you've ever, if you, I always tell people, if you can't get along with Amy, something's wrong with you. You know, so, I mean, you know, if somebody's mad at Amy, it's probably their fault. Um, but her faith is so strong and she keeps me grounded. And every now and then she'll bring me in and be like, hey, you know, you need you need to chill out, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a partner like yeah, that, isn't you it? <laughs> you know, I overstepped my boundaries. Yeah, you did. You did. You had it like an idiot out there. So, but it, that's my faith in a nutshell, and and the story, and and I'm still, still, still sharpening my iron, and 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 the Lord is still working on me. I still have a long way to go, but but it's a it's a message that I would love to for more people to hear in the community, just because I, I mean, I, I mean we've all lived in different ways, and. I would bet you bet a bottom dollar that this is a much more peaceful way to live. Well, and, and the cool thing, you know, Scott, at least the way I perceive it is, you know, and we used to we talk about this in uh, in journalism, you know, try to show people versus tell people. So I think when folks are living in a way where they're but they're they're who they truly want to be and who they're striving to be and, uh, you know, sticking on a path, it comes through in what they do. You know, and you talk about selflessness, you talk about giving, you talk about patience. These are all things that are important in not only baseball, but in youth. I mean, they're college kids, but they're still young guys. You're running a youth camp. I mean, poor Bear is just broken hearted that he's got scout camp the week that baseball camp's going on and he's not going to be able to come this year. But just the fact that you and the team take the time to do that, to me, that's giving back. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing for our community. Talk to me about your passion for young people and teaching them the game of baseball and all the things that the game of baseball teaches them. Well, we have old saying at church, it's uh, whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. You know, I mean, you can, you can look at that in, in a way of like, that's kind of a, all right, whatever. But but is that going to be drugs? Is it going to be alcohol? Is it going to be gangs? Is it going to be, you know, their sports that they're going to meet some coach? And if you look at at, at the children today, it's um, that's where our passion is, is 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 for our children who might not have the life that we have. And uh, but in youth sports, I, I'll tell you, um, I'm real good at preaching about youth sports, but it's tough. And I'll tell you why, because I'm a competitor and I like to win that nine-year-old baseball game as much as the kids do. And, and, and it's tough. And, and so I'm kind of, I really probably struggle with this more than anything um, is, is, is what's competitive spirit, what's teaching a guy to be passive and, and get beat up on and, you know, and, 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 and say it's okay to lose. And I mean, there, there's some real struggles there. And I think every dad struggles with that because I mean, at the end of the day, if, if it's not going to be about winning and losing, then why do we keep score? But we also can't burn down the house and the bridges because of, of, of a bad umpire call. And and I've been guilty of that this year. I've, I've fussed an umpire and, you know, and we've had good friends kind of, 
you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah at each other. But but on the flip side, I also think that we're missing some competitive spirit in youth sports and we're teaching our kids to be very passive. And 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 I tell our players all the time, the the business world's not passive. I mean, it, it, it's cutthroat. It, it, you show up late, you're gone. If you don't perform, you're gone. You have deadlines to meet. And so youth sports really teaches these guys a lot about life in itself, about working hard, being a team. But also it is about winning and losing. I mean, you know, you've heard it before. You uh, of, of you're there a winner or you're a loser. There's really no gray area. And that's not saying you're a loser if you don't win every baseball game. Um, but but youth sports, I think also built some toughness of getting punched Absolutely. in the gut, you know? And, and so I really struggle with that is, is, is do I really get after it or, or do I kind of sit back and, you know, and people at ALB baseball will tell you, Scott likes to win and Scott's a competitor and, you know, Scott might not act like a Christian during the playoffs, but I don't, I don't think I did, but you know, somebody might come up with that. And, 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 but on the flip side, it, it, it is about pouring into those youth but also telling them in four short years, if you're not good enough, you're done. Yep. Yeah. And then they're crying and can't believe they're not good enough to make the high school team, but it is what it is. And, and especially when you get to college and if you don't perform, you're gone. Um, you know, and just like coach Hemmings, I tell him all the time, coach Hemmings doesn't perform. He's gone too. Yeah. And then, but you're, you being gone in high school or college, you got it. You, you're Okay. Me being gone at Albany State, I got to tell a wife and three kids, hey, dad wasn't good enough at his job. We got to sell this house and figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. And so, and, and some people might think that's extreme, but. That's the way the world works, Scott. Exactly, exactly right. This is God's creation. I mean, every, I mean, every male of every species is fighting with another male over territory, over a mate, over food. I mean, it's just kind of the way things work. If you, if you can't produce, if you can't take care of yourself, if you can't work with a team to move forward as a group, then what are you doing? You know, and I just think sometimes, and I'm guilty of it with my kids, we try to protect them so much from bad stuff happening and, 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 and they need to learn how to deal with bad stuff. You know, I mean, they're going to lose a father, you know, they might lose a, a, a wife or a, a father or a mother, or a grandmother, you know, they might lose, they might get fired. They might, they might not, they might miss the penalty kick in overtime in the state championship game that cost them, but they also might do it. And, and a lot of the struggles that I dealt with, I, I can look back at how I've handled adversity. I remember one time I went through a bad stretch in high school. My mom, she would always say, you know, tough times build character, Scott. And I, and I'd go, you know what, mom, I'm not tired of character being built. I'm ready for some, <laughs> you know, but it, it was true. It's, it's so true. What she said is, is you're going to continue to, get have your character challenged and and how you handle that adversity and just like this year with our cove our season being canceled how we handled it i thought our guys did a fantastic job so now scott you said you got a waiting list on the baseball camp for those who don't know you do youth baseball camp every year through the school um any chance that you might do more than just the one session this year now uh, we've we've kind of um we, we really only do one week now um our camps now are Scott Hemmings baseball camps and they're not ASU camps. ASU allows us to, to do them on their campus, but we've separated them and it's all Hemmings baseball camps. So we do one youth camp and then we do one um, high school camp. And, and it's just like anything in business uh, or a product. We want our product to remain good. 
And we have found that one week the product is really good because all the high school coaches come out and coach it. It's very tough to staff for 120 kids. And so uh, we try to put all of our energy into one week. And it's one of those things that I mean, there for a couple of years, I didn't turn some kids away and we wound up with 175, 180 for two years. And, and, and really and truly, that's 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 awesome. I was very thankful for it. But we also got away from a little bit of instruction because it was so many people. So now we're limited to about 100, 100. We might go to 120 and we're able to teach a little bit more. And we have an outstanding staff. So for the ones that are on the waiting list, I, I feel terrible because believe it or not, I have a hard time saying no. My wife can say, I mean, she doesn't like to say no either, but she does say, hey, we well, this is all we got the staff for because she kind of runs behind the scenes camp. Um, but but I'm proud of the product that people are lined up to get into it, too, though. Well, and and, and that's a that's a good distinction because it is a baseball camp. It's not you know, summer camp, give your kids something to do while you're at work and they're running around sweat. Well, um, you know, Scott, we've covered a lot of stuff and, you know, we probably could sit here and talk for three hours about life in general and and thoroughly enjoy it, but I don't want to take up all your time, but I do want to give you an opportunity, you know, something I do with all my guests, anything that we hadn't touched on, anything that's near and dear to your heart, anything that you just want the listeners to know either about Scott, about ASU, about Albany, Georgia. Well, you know, I think that, I mean, to, to the, to Albany state, I, I do think we, um, we have a lot of good things going on. We've, we've got a stable president, Marion Fedrick, who's done a great job. And we just hired an athletic director by the name of Tony Duckworth. And, um, just, just, he's really brought a new energy in there and, and really good guy for the community. We've got our first annual golf classic, um, Albany state golf classic on, on June 25th out at the Flint. So it's a community event. We really, it's really to raise money for scholarships and, and we desperately need, uh, to m- more scholarship money, you know, doesn't guarantee better players, but it does help. And so all proceeds will go to that, uh, to the, to the scholarship foundation at Albany state. So we'd love that support. It's on our website. Um, but also I'd like to just touch on Albany in general. And and I'm one of those people that love Albany. I mean, there's been jobs available and um, there was one available this year and, and me and my wife just go, we love Albany. And I think, I don't think we talk enough about what Albany has to bring is good. Um, the cost of living's low. You're close to the beach. You got every restaurant known, man, you got a great group of people here. I mean, it's just a, it's just a really neat place. And, and I would like to see us as a city, um, you know, whether this is the platform to talk about it or not, but why are we not the, the hub of, of recreational sports? You know, we have all these small towns that are around us and I've been passionate about it. Me and, Bo Henry and, and Foy Shimwell and Chris Jones. We've, we've had this kind of, uh, vision of, of putting together a, a huge facility here. You know, we even met with, uh, Chee Hall Park last year about doing a big four field complex out there. And, and I think that I don't think we're shooting for the stars here in the city it, because we could build a, a, a nice complex. You could have soccer, lacrosse and baseball and softball and even football out there. And, and you talk about the youth. I mean, what would be better than for these, you know, you don't want to say troubled youth, but good youth, bad youth, troubled youth, you know, underprivileged youth coming to this brand new state of the art facility and learning baseball and football. And, and, and I think that's something I'd really like to see our city go to and, and, and whether or not we can get there. And I don't know the funding and, and I'm not a politician and by no means are these jabs at anybody of what we need to be doing. But I think there needs to be a vision here because we have so much to offer with the hotels and the restaurant. And when we were going to, when we were thinking about doing that place out at Chihaw, think about that. Every car that goes through Chihaw, we have, a, we would be one of the only facilities in the country that would have a zoo, a river, a splash pad, an RV park, baseball, 
I mean, you think about what we could be bringing into Albany. And that, that's one thing that I'm probably more passionate about than anything is having a first class facility to do that in. And, 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 you know, and whether or not we have the money to do it, but, but it was something that, that me and Bo Henry have had a, had a dream of for, I think we've been talking about for six or seven years. And, and so that would be good. But, but on the flip side, we love Albany. We've been here 10 years and probably had a couple opportunities uh, to, to leave and, you know, Hey, uh, I, I don't want to do that. My kids are rooted here. I got a daughter going to high school, another one going to eighth grade, a, a boy that's nine years old, and and they have great friends, and and it's a good community. Oh man, let me tell you, from the community standpoint, we can't thank you enough for what you've done here. You know, through Darton ASU, through your volunteering with the youth sports baseball league. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we just love having the Hemmings in all. Well, I appreciate it. It's fun and. Baseball's fun. It is. It is fun. And it can be aggravating as rip sometimes. Oh, yeah, no. You're almost crazy for playing it or coaching it because the highs are high and the lows are low. You get home, you're like, golly, son, <laughs> could you have played any worse tonight? You go, well, Dad, you sent that runner home at third base and got thrown out. <laughs> so we're all guilty of no it. No doubt man. about it, man. No doubt. But I appreciate you having me. And this is awesome that a- what AB&T is doing. And and uh, hopefully they will have a lot of views on it. Well, I hope I think we probably will. And hopefully this isn't the last time you and I can sit down and uh, have, have one of these chats. Well, Scott, again, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to come in with talking with me today. I, I truly appreciate it. And then once again, I'd also like to thank the loyal followers of Beyond the Bank community of Albany. That's the reason that I do this and uh, just continue to tell those stories. And I'm just forever thankful for those people who are tuning in and listening. Till next time, I'm Brad and this is Beyond the Bank. Oh,